Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing? Good, Dan. How about you? <laughs> no complaints. No complaints. Uh, That's good. We don't want to hear them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. That's a fact. <laughs> we don't want to hear the complaints. We don't, we don't want to hear Absolutely don't want to hear absolutely complaints. Absolutely not. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. And now, sitting in for Rich... Hit the drop. It's Dan Schwartzman. Hour two of the Rich Eisen Show. That's right. I am Dan Schwartzman. In three days this week, Rich is off. Talked a lot of NBA in hour number one. Want to get some baseball talk. We're pretty much halfway through the season right now. And I'm based out of New York, and I got the Yankees here that are just flat out ridiculous. Right now, I'm based to win like 120 games. Doubt it'll happen. Injuries do happen, and the Yankees have so far. If you're a Yankee fan, knock on wood. They've been able to kind of beat the injury buck, right? But that's a team that's had injury problems in the past. So at some point, you say to yourself, who's going to be hurt? When's it going to happen? Can Judge keep this toward pace going? He's got 29 home runs. Guy bet on himself, right? Last offseason, he turned down a contract offer that was close to like 30-some-odd million dollars a year. It was like $213 million of new money, $230 million total, and said, no, I'm going to uh, hit free agency in a year. And he has gone out there, and he has absolutely raked. Right now, he is clearly the American League MVP. But that's because the Yankees are winning. And I say that because of this. Who's the reigning MVP in the American League? That's right, Shohei Otani. Last year, what, 46 home runs, 100 RBIs, was tremendous with the bat. And let's not forget, he was also tremendous as a pitcher. Not a vanity like a Brett Phillips who comes in when the Tampa Bay Rays are down 9 nothing. Shohei Otani is a legitimate ace. Last year, he threw 130 in a third innings, gave up only 98 hits, had 156 strikeouts, and won nine games. Awesome. Here's the amazing thing. He's not hitting as well this year. Not to say he's not hitting really well anyway, okay? When I say he's not hitting as well, Shohei Otani's average is up this year, but his OPS is down. He's only hit 18 home runs in 78 games. He's had 51 RBIs. Look, he's still putting up phenomenal numbers. An OPS of 848 is still ridiculously good. But he's actually pitching at a higher level this year than he did last year. This year, he's thrown 74 innings and 13 starts. 
He has struck out 101 batters in 74 innings. He's seven and four with a two six eight ERA. So while he is one of the you know biggest power threats in all of baseball, he is also right now. It's not a novelty act. He is one of the top pitchers in all of baseball as well. So we can talk about Aaron Judge for MVP all we want. I mean, Mike Trout has had a terrible slump the last couple of weeks, and his average is now down. But if Shohei Otani hits 30 home runs, drives in 100 runs, wins you 12 games, and strikes out 200 batters this year, are you telling me he's not going to be the MVP again? Like, take a seat, Aaron Judge. You can take your 55 home runs and take a seat because you're not throwing any innings. You're not out there every six days striking out 200 batters in a season. I mean, isn't this a no-brainer? It's Listen, I know when people are like, yeah, but it's about the team winning. Shohei, the Angels aren't losing games because of Shohei Otani, right? Shohei Otani's not the reason why the Angels stink yet again. They stink every year. Mike Trout's won MVPs, and he's played for a terrible team, right? How many World Series rings does Mike Trout have right now? A grand total of nothing. And with like six or seven more years on that contract, he's going to end his career probably with a grand total of no rings. Or he's going to be a guy that gets traded at 38 years old to a team just so he can win a ring. Because a guy like Mike Trout, as great a player as he is, deserves to win a ring. Baseball is the quintessential team sport. It's not like Shohei Otani could do even more and the Angels would start winning games, right? That's why I'm always like, okay, yeah, I understand the MVP. How valuable is it is a guy for a team that's in last place? I understand that argument. Yes, that's clearly a valid argument. But on the other side, the Angels are 37 and 44, and Joe Madden's gotten fired. But again, not because of Shohei Otani. So am I going to hold it against Shohei Otani that this team stinks? And is Aaron Judge the only reason why the Yankees are 58 and 22 right now with the best record in baseball and they lead the division by? A whopping 13 games? Think about that, right? Them and the Astros have dominated their divisions. The Yankees are 13 up on the Red Sox. The Astros are 13 and a half up on the Mariners. There's one difference. The AOS is uh, is a putrid division. Astros, Mariners, Rangers, Angels, Athletics. The only team that's above 500 is Houston. Yankees, meanwhile, play in probably the toughest division in baseball. That or the National League West. I would take the AL East right now. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Rays are all over 500. And the Baltimore Orioles are actually playing respectable baseball. They are 37 and 44. And somehow the Yankees in a division with four teams over 500, they are up 13 games on Boston. It's 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 mad, it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. They've dominated But Aaron Judge isn't pitching, right? Aaron Judge is not Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Jamison Tyone, Jordan Montgomery, or Nestor Cortez. He's not the bullpen where Clay, you know, Clay uh, Clay Holmes has been one of the top closers in baseball. Aaron Judge just hits and he fields. That's all he does. Not to say that's not impressive. It's, It's impressive. Don't get me wrong. Very impressive. But Shohei Otani with that whole argument of, yeah, but... What's his value if his team's 37 and 44, which would be tied for last place in the American League East? That doesn't hold water with me. What else do you want the guy to do? It doesn't mean he's not a great player. Like, you are voting for a guy for MVP, not because, okay, he's on a great team. He's one of a, you know, he's a great player on a great team. You're voting for a guy for his own personal, you know, his own personal accomplishments. 
And I, I still think people don't understand what they're watching here. It's because we throw the name Babe Ruth around like, you know, it's nothing. And Shohei Otani's Babe Ruth, but he's not. Shohei Otani's not Babe Ruth. There's a big difference. Okay, the biggest difference when it comes to Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani is Babe Ruth became extensively just a hitter, right? When they realized that he could hit ridiculously, he became just a hitter. How many years did Babe Ruth play both? Okay, that's the difference. How many years did Babe Ruth play as a hitter and as a pitcher? I believe the answer is really one year. I think in 1919, Babe Ruth led baseball with like 29 home runs. The year before that, he had 11 home runs and led baseball. And you look at that and you say, it's great. But he also was, you know, a tremendous pitcher. So my whole point is this. Otani is actually doing it at the same time. In the same season, in the same game. Dude's going to hit a 450-foot home run and strike a guy out with a 101-mile-an-hour fastball. So in 1918, Babe Ruth, again, had 11 home runs to lead baseball. And in 1918, he won 13 games. In 1919, he won nine games, made uh, made 17 starts through 133 innings. And in that year, he hit 29 home runs to lead baseball again. Then he was dealt to the Yankees in 1920. And from that point on, Babe Ruth, after... Going 9-5 and five that year, he pitched a grand total of three games. So he was exclusively a hitter and a pitcher, really never. Because in 1918, when he had 11 home runs, he threw 166 in the third innings. The, the years before that, when he was primarily just a pitcher, he threw 326 innings and 323 innings. Won 24 and 23 games, had an ERA that was ridiculous. So he actually transitioned to where he became just a hitter, an outfielder. That was it. Shohei Otani, when he decided to come play Major League Baseball, part of teams making their pitch to bring him, because any team could actually afford him at the time, it was the $20 million posting fee to his Japanese ball club, and then he was signing like a a rookie contract for nothing. The pitch was you had to let him do both. If you weren't willing to let him do both, He was not going to play for you. That was the deal. So Shohei Otani is doing something that even Babe Ruth really didn't do. There's a difference. So we are literally watching something we've really never seen in baseball. Think about that. A sport that's 140 years old, right? The America's pastime. It may not be anymore, but baseball is America's pastime. It's the number one sport in this country for a century. And we're seeing something new. How would you ever expect to see something new in a sport that's been around so long that you felt you've seen everything new, right? But that's what I'm saying. What we're watching is so unique and impressive where he wins an MVP last year and you can make a case where he may be even better this year, especially on the mound. How is he not the front runner for the MVP? Regardless of the fact his team stinks. When people talk about salaries and breaking the bank, they're not talking about Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is going to get his $350 million. Right? It's not going to be fun. It's not like we're going to be breaking new ground with Aaron Judge. He's not going to get more money than Mike Trout's $425 million contract. He'll get his, and it's going to, you know, the number's going to start to three, and congratulations to Aaron Judge. 
He's setting up the Judge dynasty financially for generations, and he deserves it. Good for him. But when you want to sit back, grab the popcorn, and say, hey, what's going to be fun in terms of breaking the bank for baseball? You can say Juan Soto with the Nationals, but I think people are piqued interest-wise when it comes to Shohei Otani. Because you're not just paying him as an ace pitcher, and that's worth $35 bucks. You're not just paying him as a tremendous hitter, and that's worth $35 bucks. You're actually paying him as both. You're not going to pay him $70 million, by the way, a year. It's not happening. I'm not arguing that. But the question is, what is he worth? That's why it's fun to think about it. And when he becomes a free agent in a year... It's going to be fun to see how much he is going to get on that market because no one knows because no one's ever seen it. See, Aaron Judge is a lot easier to figure out what he's worth because we know what a slugger's worth, right? We understand there's a market and we understand where he fits into that market. Okay, Aaron, you're great. You're a home run hitter. You do strike out a lot, but you make good contact. That's why you're a 290, 300 hitter. You're worth X dollars. But it's easy to characterize or categoric, you know, you put him in a category based on the fact of what he does. There's nothing unique about what Aaron Judge does. We've seen it before. A power-hitting outfielder in baseball? Okay, we've seen that. Juan Soto, a young, tremendous-hitting outfielder in baseball. A little bit more rare, a little bit more unique. So people are going to wonder, okay, when he hits free agency, is he getting $500 million? Okay, cool. But here's the other aspect of it. And, and Art, I want to bring you in here because you're, you are out there on the West Coast. Okay. Juan Soto is not as marketable as Shohei Otani. Right? Juan Soto is a tremendous player. But there's a lot of Latin players in Major League Baseball. He's not the first. He's not going to be the last. And we've had a lot of talented young Latin players in baseball. The Miguel Cabreras of the world, right? Ronald Acuna Jr., guys like that. With Shohei Otani, you're talking about Japan, which is a country of 150 million people that is the third most powerful economy in the world with massive companies that are global with lots of money. Naomi Osaka made the most money in the history of women's sports in a single year because of endorsement deals from Japan. My whole point is Shohei Otani is even more valuable than just as an ace pitcher and as a tremendous hitter. He's also valuable because... He may be the most marketable player in all of baseball. When you turn the TV on or you drive around in L.A., is there Shohei Otani stuff? Oh, yeah, all over the place. Okay, right? But he doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak English. Does he have to? To smile on a billboard? That's a good question. Right? I mean, does he have to? Listen, I remember, you know, my mother's Japanese. When I was a kid, I used to go to Japan every other summer and stay there for a few months with family. And I remember they would have TV commercials. And remember when George Seifert was a head coach of the San Francisco 49ers? They would have these commercials. And like George Seifert would hold a can of some vitamin drink and just say like three words in Japanese. Like he'd butcher him, but he'd say three words in Japanese. Domo you know? arigato. Right, exactly. Like you don't have to say anything. Like Shohei Otani can say, drink vitamin water, right? And that's all he has to say. Vitamin water, good for you. And that's all he has to say. And cha-ching, cash registers are going. The whole point is he doesn't have to speak English to be a marketable guy. And I think he's just got to smile. His, he just has to smile. Good looking dude. Tall. Right. Great smile. Doesn't get in trouble. 
Tremendous player, best player in baseball, I think. It's hard to argue against that. No offense to Mike Trout, but he ain't pitching. My whole point is, he's got three things going for him that continues to make him so valuable, we don't know what he's worth. If you're Steve Cohen, right? The Yankees are not owned by George Steinbrenner anymore. They're owned by Hal Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner treated the Yankees as his passion. Hal Steinbrenner treats the Yankees as a business. Dollars go come in, dollars go out. They have to be in plus revenue territory. George didn't care, right? George made money elsewhere anyway. George just wanted to see his team win, and he blew the, the doors open when it came to salaries. But Steve Cohen is kind of the new George Steinbrenner, right? The owner of the New York Mets. He's the richest owner in baseball by a mile. New York has a heavy Japanese population. Every major Japanese company has offices here in New York. My whole point is, if you're Steve Cohen, and you've already spent a boatload of money anyway, and he's a Met fan, which is cool. It's kind of cool like when you're an actual fan of a team, and you buy that team. Like, I don't know if Mark Cuban grew up being a Mavericks fan. He just got a team that was for sale and bought him. Steve Cohen grew up on, I think, Long Island, and he was a Met fan and actually got to buy his favorite team, which is cool. If you're Steve Cohen, you know how valuable Shohei Otani is in the marketability department. What's to say you don't say, okay, Shohei, you're going to be, what, 27, 28 years old? Here is, you'll be 29 when he hits free agency. Right? I mean, right? I mean... Okay, I'll give you an eight-year contract for $400 million, five, you know, $50 million a year. What's to say you wouldn't do that? Is Artie going to match $50 million a year? Not as long as he's paying Anthony Rendon to not play. I'm just saying, it's going to be crazy to think about what that money is going to be like because we don't know what his value is because we've never seen a player with his unique skill set. That's what it comes down to. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen, the Rich Eisen Show. Don't forget when Callaway engineered Chrome Soft to be the best tour ball, it didn't just make the best players better. It made everyone better. Men, women, first-time major winners, repeat major winners, club champions, business golfers. The Chrome Soft family has the best tour performance for every type of performance. Starting with the regular Chrome Soft, which is designed for the widest range of golfers who want better feel, more distance, and incredible forgiveness. But for better players looking for more workability, Chrome Soft X provides excellent spin consistency and tour-level short game control. Finally, ChromeSoft XLS gives you a lower spin golf ball on lower shots, firmer feel, but still with high spin around and now every chrome soft is enhanced with precision technology which uses design technologies and manufacturing specifications up to one one thousandth of an inch this ensures they're the highest quality most consistent fastest golf balls possible when you add it all up it's pretty simple chrome soft is better for the best and better for everyone find out which chrome soft is right for you at callawaygolf.com slash chrome soft dan schwartzman in for rich eyes and plenty more sure to come next right here on the rich eisen show Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% 
on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. 22 past the hour. It is hour two of the Rich Eisen Show on a Tuesday. Dan Schwartzman filling in for Rich. I'll also be there on Thursday and Friday this week. Brian Weber in tomorrow for Rich. Baseball season rolling along. We are at the halfway point. Teams have played right there about 83 games. About 83 games. Right in that range, 80, 81, 82, 83. And I'll tell you something. It's been a fun baseball season. You have some decent races going on. But it's such a long season. You know, I've always... Baseball is my number one sport. You know, it's it's my favorite sport. And I've always been against shortening the season. But as I get older, I think my patience runs thinner, right? Like, as a kid, I could sit there and watch an entire movie. No problem. Sit down, two and a half hour movie, whatever. I could sit there. Put on Lawrence of Arabia for like three hours and 30 minutes with the, inter, you know, the intermission... Or like the longest day, movies like that. I'll sit there and watch for four hours. I don't care. If I'm having a good time watching it, I'll sit there. Now, as I get older, maybe I'm getting more of a becoming more of a curmudgeon. It's harder to sit there and watch. Like how many times in the middle of a movie will I pause the movie, do something else, come back, unpause, you know, thirty minutes later, pause the movie again, then come back. And a two-hour movie becomes like three and a half hours because I can't sit there and watch the whole thing. I have to go do something else. And that's why when I think of baseball now, 162 games, and they've literally just played half of the season, and the season's been going on since the end of March, right? Early April. I mean, that's three months in, and we are halfway done. Maybe I wouldn't be against baseball going back to 154 games. 144 games. I hate seeing a World Series where it's cold outside. Outside. I remember when the Phillies and the Tampa Bay Rays played in the World Series. When was that? 2008, I believe. They had the wool hats with the the ear covers that came out from the hat. And there was a game that actually got delayed or postponed for a day because of snow. And I'm thinking, that's not baseball, right? Spring training in Florida and Arizona, warm weather, palm trees. You play the season during the summer, warm weather, humidity. The last thing you want is players playing in 40 degrees, 30 degrees, the chance of snow because they're playing World Series games into November. 
So all I'm saying is like, it just feels like a grind. Or you're a baseball guy. We're about the same age. We're the same generation where baseball was the number one sport for most of us. Do you find yourself thinking at some point, man, you know, I, I love the Dodgers and all, but man, this season just is dragging on. Uh, no. Really? You don't get that you're a all? baseball fan. I love every second of it. You don't ever feel like, man, that's a lie. No, I could, I could sit through a four-hour game. No, I can sit through a four-hour game. Don't get me wrong. I can go to a stadium and sit there for four hours, right? I can do that. I'm just saying the whole season in general. Now, maybe it's different for you because if the Dodgers are in the World Series, the weather in Southern Cal is still going to be, you know, 75 and warm in November, 80 (laughs) degrees and warm, right? Absolutely. So you don't actually like, okay, whatever. Okay, they go on the road and play the Yankees. Oh, man, it looks cold in New York, but all right, my palm trees are swaying, right? It's fine. I, I think maybe that's the difference. Like, well, to and, you, and, yeah, and the team that I root for is always competitive. So you know, it makes me you know uh, stay on the edge of my seat. No, but doesn't that make? No, but that's the thing. I'm a Yankee fan, right? And the Yankees are always competitive. So the fact is, it's like, all right, let's get to the playoffs now, right? Like, the, the chance of the Yankees, the Dodgers not making the playoffs, you know, honestly, it's about ten percent. In a ten-year cycle, they're most likely going to make the playoffs eight or nine times, right? That's probably realistic. These teams don't go through rebuilds. They will retool, but not rebuild, because they will spend the money to make sure they're competitive. So when the Shohei Otanis of the world hit the open market, or a Mookie Betts is available during, you know, due to a trade, these teams can compete to bring in that talent, which will change your fortunes from being an 82-win team to being a 90-win team, and then you add some more talent, you're a 100-win team. So the fact is, because of the fact we root for teams that are perennially going to be in playoff and world series contention it's like all right let's get this regular season over with let's get to the postseason this isn't the nfl where it's like okay anything can happen in you know 18 weeks 17 games it's like all right dodgers are gonna win 95 100 games yankees on pace to win 120 games all right let's get to the let's get to the po- you know let's get to the meat and potatoes here let's let's stop with the appetizers you know there's like uh brazilian steakhouses right like they hit you up on the salad bar because they want you to eat a lot more of that because they don't want you to fill up on the meat. But for like 70 bucks a pop, you want to fill up on the meat. You want to get to that portion. Forget the salad bar. The same thing. Why wait 162 games for the inevitable, which is the Dodgers are going to be in the postseason as the National League favorite, and the Yankees are going to be in the postseason, and they'll be the American League favorite. If you're rooting for a team that every year doesn't get there, it's kind of like a magical experience, right? Like, oh, I'm a Padre fan, and they're playing great baseball. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to savor every moment because I'm not sure if this is going to happen again. Yeah, they spend money now, so it's different. You know you know what I'm talking about? It's like when teams that aren't, aren't always in playoff contention, having a great season, you kind of want it to continue because you love the feeling of it. You get what I'm saying, Art? Like, if you're a fan of that team, you're like, man, I don't want this to end. Every game, they're just so competitive. They're playing great. Pitching's been awesome. Look at that guy, man. What a career he's having. That kind of stuff, right? You savor it. As a Dodger fan, are you savoring every win because they're going to win 100 games? As a Yankee fan, it's like, okay, they won again. Okay. Why wouldn't that? Uh, they've, they've won for so many, so many years now. Uh, it's just another win. So right. we, we want... You know, playoffs, we want World Series at this point. They can win 120 games, but if they bomb in the postseason, it's a disappointing year. It's not a good season. Yes. But if you're the Kansas City Royals or you're the Texas Rangers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you win 100 games, you make the playoffs, and you get swept out, 
okay, it's been a great season, right? Like, man, that was a great year. For six months, we played great baseball, and, uh, you know, the ballpark was hopping, and uh, the guys played well, and, uh, yeah, sure, we got uh, swept out of the postseason, but, man, we got to the postseason. That's a successful year. No, those fans aren't spoiled because there's nothing to be spoiled about because they don't see a ton of winning. Like, remember, the Royals won a World Series not that long ago, and now they're, uh, you know, the joke. They're a joke in baseball, right? I mean, the Kansas City Royals are a joke. They're back to being a team that uh, sells. They're not a fun team. They're 20 games under 500. they They're going to get blown out by Houston tonight. My whole point is, there's no sustainability with winning to where you get used to it as a fan. But as a Dodger or a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan, you kind of get used to it where it's like, all right, come on, let's get the show on the road. These wins mean nothing. It's a spoiled mentality of entitlement, right? You are entitled to watch playoff baseball because you you know your team's going to be there. So every year you kind of expect playoff baseball to be the end result. But you have to get through 162 regular season games to get to the postseason. And regardless of the win total of those 162 games, okay, if you win 100 or 98 or 120, it really doesn't matter. Your success is not determined by regular season wins. Your success is determined by how many wins you end up having in the postseason. And if you don't have enough to win a World Series, it's a disappointing year. If the Dodgers don't win the World Series this year, the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, a true fan isn't going to say, yeah, but man, we got to the NLCS or the ALCS, or we got to the World Series and we lost in six games. I'm happy with that. No. And, And Art, this is how spoiled I am as a sports fan, okay? You know, some teams will put up banners in their stadium for like having you know gotten to the wild card game right like maybe they won the wild card round and they moved on to the divisional round and they'll actually put up a banner for that as if it was a successful season right because they made the postseason they recognize that year but as a dodger fan if they lose in the second round of the playoffs or the nlcs and then the next year they unveil a banner for it aren't you like what why you that's not a success why why are you gonna even put up a banner for that yeah i see it yeah absolutely but teams do that like i I sometimes see that like teams will you know they'll show the banners hanging in the rafters in the nhl the nba or you know out in the outfield and it's like uh you know the the american league divisional series champions 2019 i'm like who cares like what's the big deal in the end, did you get a ring? No. You got a playoff participation trophy. You got to share the postseason money, but you didn't win anything. You're not a World Series winner. The only people that should celebrate at the end of the year are the people hoisting the World Series trophy and having a ticker tape parade in their city. That success coming in second was a great line from the original Top Gun. There's no points for second place, right? That's exactly right. That's my attitude with this. There's no points for second place. You don't honor second place being second best. I remember talking to a former New York Giant. Art, you're going to like this story. I talking to an ex-New York Giant. And when they lost uh, the 2000 Super Bowl to the Baltimore Ravens, they uh, got their NFC you know, winner rings, and they did it at a movie theater in New Jersey. They had like the highlight reel of the season, and they got their rings at uh, this movie theater. The players and their families got there. And they got their ring and whatever. Small festivities, right? 
And then when the Giants beat the Patriots in that magical Super Bowl, they got their rings at Tiffany's right there in Midtown Manhattan. And it was a whole red carpet event. So while one year they win the NFC and they celebrate in a movie theater in New Jersey, the year they actually win the Super Bowl, they celebrate on a red carpet event at Tiffany's with humongous rings and uh, ticker tape parade and all this and that. But that's how it should be, right? Like, success is not being close. Success is actually winning your respective sport. But again, maybe I'm the spoiled sports fan talking here. Am I? Art, am I being a spoiled sports fan, or is that being a sports fan? Uh, well, growing up with your teams, yeah, they they make us spoiled because they win so much. Yeah, but I'm a Nick fan. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm a Jet fan, right? If the Jets... I never celebrated the Jets getting to the AFC Championship game two years in a row, losing to, uh, I think it was what, uh, one year they lost to Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and the other year I think they may have lost to probably Peyton Manning maybe. I don't remember. But, like, I don't – it's not success. They didn't win a Super Bowl trophy, right? Like, I don't celebrate that. I'm a Jet fan, and, heck, I probably should because it's not as if they make the playoffs all the time. In fact, they haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. I think it's the longest drought in the uh, in the NFL right now. But if they go next year and they win, uh, they go nine and eight and somehow sneak into the wild card and they lose in the first round of the playoffs, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that success. What I'll tell you is they're building. That's progress. Okay, that's a good step. But I'm not going to get on here and tell you, oh man, what a great season! Woohoo! Let me go hang up a wild card game banner on my house. No. But being a Dodger fan as you are, being a Yankee fan as I am, that's the problem. We get spoiled with the success to where the 162 regular season games kind of become boring. Because they don't mean anything. Dodgers are 50 and 29. All right? They're 21 games over 500. The Yankees are 58 and 22. They're 36 games over 500. And again, if the Yankees lose in the ALCS to the uh, Houston Astros, it's... A disappointing season. You know, the Seattle Mariners in 1998 won, what, 116 games, right? That's right. Yeah, I remember. And then they lost to the New York Yankees in the ALCS. So is that a successful season? No, it's a successful regular season. But overall, you didn't win a World Series. There's no banner hanging in Seattle. Or or the Moneyball year when they won, the Oakland A's won 20 games. In a row, yeah. In a row. And then they got bounced by the Yankees. Brad Pitt built a hell of a team, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I'll tell you, man, he built a hell of a team. I like that. I got to tell you, I like that movie. I am a, a fan of that movie. I actually did not read the book. I have to read. That's one of those books that's like, yeah, I got to read it, and I always forget. And then whenever it comes back up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should read that book. Michael Lewis wrote some great, book, great books, and Moneyball is obviously one of them, maybe the top one. And I love that movie. That's one of those movies where if it's on, I'm going to watch it because it is like a feel-good story, right? And I like Brad Pitt. I actually think he's a good actor. Like I, I think like World War Z's great. Again, Moneyball's great. He's not just like a pretty face. I think he's actually a really good actor. Fury. Fury was great. Yeah, big fan of that movie. I did like uh, Shia LaBeouf. I know he's got all these problems, but that was a great cast. Well done. Fury's a good one. Do like that one. That's the one, the World War II tank, uh, for those who have not yeah. seen it. But, uh, yeah, Moneyball's a good movie, man. I could sit there and watch Moneyball every time it's on. And it's a great story. And it's funny. Like, I, I just love the scene where he and, uh, I think it's the first base coach, are 
They go to Hatterberg's house, Scott Hatterberg's house, and they call, hey, Scott. Wash. Yeah. They, they called him Wash. Yeah, you want to, right, Wash, Ron Washington, right? Yeah. You want to uh, You want to let us in? Well, yeah, we're right outside. And he's like, you're going to play first base. You ever play first base? He goes, no. And Pitt goes, yeah, it's easy. And Wash goes, it's hard, man. <laughs> That's a great part, man. I love that movie. Even the wife, who does not scene. like sports. You know, the wife does not like sports. And by the way, Chris Pratt, I think, plays, is that Pratt? Yeah, yeah. Right, because Chris Evans is the prettier one of the Chris's. Chris Pratt is the guy that plays uh, Hatterberg, right? Yeah, that's right. Yes, Chris, right. Was he like a nobody at that time? Yes, that's right. Is that like Johnny Damon? Is, is that like Matt, not Johnny Damon. Is that like Matt Damon in uh, Saving Private Ryan? Where like Pretty at much. the time, you know, you know the story about that, right? So Matt Damon is in Saving Private Ryan. But when he got the role and was in it, he was really a nobody. He had done, I think, that movie with Meg Ryan and Lou Diamond Phillips, um, Courage Under Fire with Denzel Washington. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. He plays the medic on that chopper, and he's got the drug problem. He's really skinny in that movie. He's also in um, that movie with Sean Connery, uh, where he's the uh, Finding Forrester. You remember Finding Forrester? Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. So he's the guy that, he's like the lawyer at the end who comes and tells the kid that uh, the Sean Connery character is is gone and he's, you know, in the will. And he's got like a three-minute rule in that movie. So he's in Saving Private Ryan. And when they filmed it with Spielberg, Matt Damon wasn't a big name. The thing was, they had also filmed Goodwill Hunting. And Goodwill Hunting had come out first. And him and Ben Affleck exploded and became superstars because of Goodwill Hunting. So when Saving Private Ryan came out, Matt Damon was already a star, but when they were actually filming the movie, he was not. Crazy story, right? Crazy. All right. So I think like with Chris Evans, like I don't know if Chris Evans was a known guy when he played Scott Hatterberg in Moneyball. Because I don't know if like a known guy like him would take that role if he's a star already, because it's not a major role. I don't know, maybe. And we always forget the great, late Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. He plays Art Howe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, you look at that cash, like, wow, that's an amazing cash. And neither Robin one Wright of them, Penn. him, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, or, you know, uh, Brad Pitt knew anything about baseball. Yeah, that's a funny thing. It is, yeah. And yet, Brad Pitt was doing interviews all around the media world with Billy Bean. <laughs> that's a, a great. But And then Robin Wright Penn plays his ex-wife. And then the daughter is the girl that's in Ray Donovan, the, the great Showtime show, as Ray Donovan's daughter. Maybe I watch too much TV and movies. That's kind of what I'm figuring out. You know, as I talk through this art, I figure out maybe I watch too much TV. Yeah, I think I do. This is not good. Yeah, don't tell the wife about this one. She might, because I think she t- says that I watch too much TV. This might actually be uh, making an argument for her. Not good, man. Not good. Making the argument for. All right, I want to get into some college football talk. Big Ten about to get even stronger. little West Coast influence there. SEC, and is there room for anybody else? And boy, oh boy, what a, what a slap to Oregon and Washington coming out of the Big Ten. That's next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen on a Tuesday. It's the Rich Eisen Show. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung. And that means spring cleaning, or at least 
the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rich Eisen show on a Tuesday. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. We're going to talk college football starting hour three. In about 15 minutes. The shaking of that landscape has been unbelievable with the news of USC and UCLA both moving on to the Big Ten. What does it mean for other conferences outside of the Big Ten and the SEC? But we talked a lot of baseball this hour, and the big topic is Shohei Otani the value. The guy is possibly even better this year than he was last year, especially on the mound. So what is his value? What is his future potentially? We're going to head out to the West Coast. Bill Shaken, Los Angeles Times national baseball reporter joining us. And listen, Bill, you get to do something that I envy you for, and that is you get to watch Shohei Otani pretty much on a daily basis because you're out on the West Coast in Los Angeles. I'm on the East Coast, and I try to get to bed because I'm getting older Compare this year to last year when he was the MVP. Is he better this year? Probably more on the mound, right? Well, just as a consumer heads up for you, uh, the Angels are in Miami this week. Otani is hitting tonight and pitching tomorrow. So you don't have to stay up too late to see him. um, He is definitely pitching better. And his ERA plus is better. His ERA itself is down. And although he's not hitting as well as he did last year, that was an unprecedented season. Not even Babe Ruth had put up the kind of numbers, you know, hitting and pitching that Otani did last year. So if you say the overall performance is a little bit down, that means it's gone down from unprecedented to truly excellent. (laughs) So MVP to MVP kind of thing in terms of uh, performance. Because how do you gauge it, all right? Because I'm out here on the East Coast, and yeah, Aaron Judge has been amazing, and he's possibly going to hit 60 home runs this year and you know people talk about him being the front runner and my argument is yes the Yankees win more games but baseball is more of an individualized sport if you think about each performance and it's not like the Angels stink because of Shohei Otani right so the fact is if he was the MVP last year and the team wasn't great and he's putting up great numbers again this year shouldn't he be considered the favorite right now yeah and the Angels don't think because of Mike Trout either but there's a thought you know, among some voters that may be valuable 
should correlate to team success because how valuable can you be if, like the Angels, you're on pace for your seventh straight losing season? So that's every voter's individual decision. There is no definition on the ballot for most valuable player. I think in the past few years, it's sort of tilted from valuable being an individual definition to sort of a group think that valuable is simply the best player in the same way that Cy Young is the best pitcher. And again, that's for everybody to decide what they think. But I think your your foundational argument is right. If Shohei Otani was the most valuable player in the American League last year, and if his performance is pretty similar to what it was last year, it's certainly going to be a hard case to say somebody who only plays on one side of the ball is more valuable when he does both and does both exceptionally well. LA Times National Baseball Reporter Bill Shaken joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Tuesday. He's got three things going for him. If he decides, I just want to be a pitcher, he, as a free agent, is worth $30 million a year. He's a true ace. If he decides, I just want to play the outfield in DH, he is a $30 million, 45 home run guy. He's also incredibly marketable, obviously, right? Considering, you know, he's Japanese and Japanese love baseball and a lot of big companies are Japanese that will spend money. So in a year from now, when he hits free agency, Bill, if you are Artie Moreno or Steve Cohen, who has more money than anybody else in the game, literally, what are you paying this guy? It's a great question because something that always comes up when you talk about long-term contracts for pitchers. And again, as you mentioned, Shoei has been a little bit better pitching this year than hitting. But here's a guy you want to sign for a lot of years. And you always think, well, okay, but if I sign a pitcher for six or seven years, I got to assume that I'm going to lose one or two of them to injury. There's probably going to be a Tommy John surgery somewhere. Uh, If not, there's going to be some sort of injury. And then I lose that player's performance. And then you say, well, with Otani, because this is what's already happened with the Angels, if you lose him to surgery as a pitcher, he can stay in the lineup and still hit every day right? and do it very well. And as you pointed out, that in itself is something that's worth a lot of money. So, you know, whether it's the Angels or the Yankees or certainly the Dodgers would have some interest, uh, it's going to cost somebody a lot of money. And you can't say, okay, here's who the comparable players are, which is the normal measuring stick, because, of course, there aren't any comparable players. Exactly. That's why I said, you know, the Aaron Judge sweepstakes next off season. okay, there's a measuring stick as to how much he's worth because there have been other guys like Aaron Judge, right? Big, strong, powerful guy, hits a lot of home runs, will strike out, but still hit 280, 290. That's worth X dollars because these eight other guys got this much money. Juan Soto, same thing. Yeah, he's younger, so he's going to get this much money. But frankly, Otani can get $50 million a year. And if you're Steve Cohen, who has $14 billion, and money doesn't seem to be an issue, and they actually have a luxury tax category just for him, the fact is, in New York with a heavy Japanese population, Shohei Otani, at $50 million a year, you're still going to make money on the guy. I mean... In Los Angeles, is there a worry that they're going to lose him because at some point they have to start winning games or else he's going to be turned off, correct? Yeah, and he said as much. I mean, he's very polite about it, but right. he's made clear that he wants <laughs> to win. And he has never been on an Angels team that produced a winning record, let alone got to the playoffs. So my suspicion is if 
the Angels do not get to the playoffs, that he will go somewhere else. I could be surprised. The Angels have treated him very well, and he seems to like the area and like the clubhouse. Uh, I wouldn't assume that New York is the only place that he would go. Sure. He does have a great relationship with Billy Epler, the Mets general manager, who was the man who recruited him to the Angels when Epler ran the Angels. But uh, there's a lot of teams with a lot of money, and a lot of the Asian players, not 100%, but you know, more often than not, tend to prefer the West Coast just because it's you know that many hours closer to home on a long flight. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know everybody thinks Steve Cohen has a lot of money, but remember he was outbid for the Dodgers. So certainly, at least the Dodgers have a lot of money, and they're on the That's West true. Coast. All we can agree on, Bill, is that wherever the situation is, Shohei Otani will be making a heck of a lot of money. Bill Shaken, L.A. Times national baseball reporter. Bill, appreciate you hopping on the show. All right, take care. There you have it. I mean, yeah. The West Coast thing plays a role. You're right. You want to fly another five and a half, six hours on a flight to get to the East Coast. New York to Japan, New York to Tokyo is a 14-hour flight. L.A. to Japan, it's about eight hours. Big difference. Didn't turn off guys like Masahiro Tanaka, guys like that. But, you know, listen, Ichiro went to Seattle, right? Ended up with the Yankees at some point. But still, it's a long flight. All right, college football, the landscape clearly has been shifting. It's been ridiculously shifting when you think about the fact of USC and UCLA heading to the Big Ten. What happened to geography when it comes to conferences? Apparently that is now out the window. No question about that. All right, so what's the latest with the Big Ten and the SEC? How about the remaining teams in the Pac-12? What are they going to do? I mean, seriously, what is the Pac-12 going to do? Big 12, Dan Schwartzman for Rich Eisen. Hour three next.